Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's been three months since Russia invaded Ukraine. And throughout that time, the U.S. government has had very few official conversations with Moscow about the conflict. And, you know, that makes sense. Relations between the two nations are basically at rock bottom. But last month, we learned that the two sides had been communicating about something else. Word that Russia is releasing American Trevor Reed, the Marine veteran who has been in prison there since 2020. He was convicted... On a tarmac in Turkey, a scene out of a Cold War thriller, as Trevor Reed's parents tell it, when their son was exchanged for convicted Russian drug smuggler Konstantin Yeroshenko. When former Marine Trevor Reed was freed from Russian captivity as part of a prisoner swap, it was a moment of elation and relief for him and his family. But it was also bittersweet, as many other families of Americans wrongfully detained abroad are still waiting for that moment and have no idea if it will ever come. On today's episode, a conversation with CNN Chief Washington Correspondent Jake Tapper about his exclusive interview with Trevor Reed. And then we're going to check in with CNN State Department reporter Jennifer Hansler on how the U.S. is working behind the scenes to bring those other Americans back home. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Ryan. So, Jake, my first question, and I imagine it was yours as well to Trevor, how is he doing? He's doing okay. He's doing okay. You know, he um, there are two components to that question, of course. There's how's he doing psychologically and how's he doing physically. Sure. Uh, physically, you know, he's not a he's not a tall guy, um, and he lost 45 pounds while wow. in Russian jails and work camps. Um, he looks good now. I mean, yeah. he's not the stocky guy he was four years ago. How many ago, cheeseburgers can a man eat in a day? Well, we're gonna, <laughs> you're going to test that out, I guess, right? I already have. Look, I mean... He wasn't even eating properly for three years. So he, t- he tells this amazing story about, like, when he's home uh, having a meal and feeling the energy of the meal coursing through his body. It was like you – I ate that food in the amount of energy that I received from that. I couldn't sleep for three days. Really? That. Yeah. The chemical change, and it kept him awake. All that energy kept him awake for days, wow. he said. Psychologically, he seems – Good, but, you know, these things take a long time. Uh, He was unjustly imprisoned, and he was subjected to some of the worst conditions known to man. I started to cough, and after probably about 
a few weeks or a month maybe, I started to cough up blood. And I coughed up that blood for a period of about three months, three and a half months, uh, every day, multiple times a day. They put him in a Russian psychiatric criminal hospital ward as a punishment of sorts, not to mention, of course, a Russian work camp. No matter how long I was going to be there, they were never going to break me. No, psychologically. So maybe physically they could because of those conditions. Maybe I would have died, but psychologically they never would have broken me. So, you know, I I think he's healing. I mean, he seemed as well, if not better, than can be expected for somebody three weeks after ending a three-year, almost three-year ordeal. Jake, this was fascinating as I listened to this interview. Does Trevor have a Russian accent? Well, it's interesting because, you know, so I met him a couple nights ago. And then after, you know, we talked a little bit and joked around a little bit, I turned to his sister, Taylor, who's 18 months younger. And I said, does he kind of have a Russian accent now? She said, yeah. You know, he was there for three years. He was speaking exclusively pretty much Russian. He learned Russian while in captivity. He thinks in Russian. He dreams in Russian. Wow. And I had to, like, consciously think about answering things in English again. Um, You're still in the process because you you have a little bit of an accent. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Part of that, too, is from how you speak English with Russians. So Russians that do know English, you have to kind of change the way that you speak English so that they can understand uh, certain words. Sometimes somebody will ask him how he's doing and he'll respond in Russian. And he's got this accent because this has just been his world for three years. And can you describe the actual prisoner swap and his experience of finally getting out of Russia? What, What was that like? Well, they took him to a special FSB prison, and he did not know what was going to happen. You know, he he feared something bad might happen. But then they took him to a plane. Yeah. So I was like, can I go? And the FSB said, no. And I said, what's the problem? I heard one of them, one of them looks at me and he goes, are you sure America wants you back? <laughs> and I said, what's, what's going on? He tells actually a very amusing story, he does the accents and everything, about the prisoner swap. He figured out that they were flying to Turkey, process of elimination, looking out the window and then realizing Turkey was the only country that was accepting Russian planes in Europe at that point because the Ukraine war had started and everybody had banned Russian aircraft from their airspace. And Yaroshenko walked out in the middle and kind of like just hung out, talked to people. I was like, okay, this guy's clearly not in any hurry to like leave. <laughs> but, and then he, he lands and uh, one of the guards says something about, you know, pretty cool, huh? You know, and just because uh, it was right next to the other plane and they were about to do a prisoner swap just like in like the Like in the movies, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I actually want to ask about the prisoner swap part of this, because there are some who say, you know, we shouldn't be releasing prisoners back to our adversaries, even if that means bringing an American home. How does the Reed family respond to that idea? Their argument, I said, well, what about, because we did talk about this, um, well, what about the, you know, people who are opposed to this say it incentivizes countries like Russia, China, North Korea, Venezuela, Cuba, whatever, they will say, 
policymakers who object to this say it incentivizes taking Americans hostage. And Trevor's response was, these countries are going to do that anyway. They don't need incentives. They'll just do it anyway. So you mentioned Ukraine uh, a while back, and and obviously their conflict with Russia has his views about Russia. I mean, obviously not positive, but how have they been shaped by this experience? Uh, he is vociferously uh, against the the Putin government and the Russian government, and I think I think uh, he would have he would say that before his captivity, before the kangaroo court and the false charges and everything, he would have been. You know, anti-Putin, but not thought necessarily that the Russian government was corrupt or bad itself. Mm. Now he feels like from the top to the bottom, the Russian government is evil. They are completely apathetic. There's no emotion there. There's no empathy for their fellow human beings. They They have absolutely no value of human life. You know, he also, he has seen firsthand... Uh, the results of Russian propaganda. He saw it actually before he went to uh, prison because he had a Russian girlfriend and he met three years before this all happened. They're no longer together. But when she first visited the United States and she spent a lot of time in the United States with him and the family came to love her, et cetera, she was stunned that America was so different from what she had been told it was. Hmm. She was amazed that you know cities were not just complete bastions of nonstop crime and chaos. And oh. that was his first reckoning with uh, the power of Russian propaganda. And then, of course, he would see the Russians lying about his case in real time because, you know, there was a television in the common room of the Russian work camp. And, you know, if, if his trial or his case was mentioned and they would say he wasn't on a hunger strike. He's he like, yeah, there, I, I'm not eating. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a hunger strike. He was on two different hunger strikes and, you know, they would they would lie about it. Wow. Can you tell me about some of the other Americans who have not been as lucky as Trevor, who are still detained? Because, I, you know, I was struck by, you know, how much him and his family want to mention Paul Whelan, who's still in Russia. Is there any guilt there about him being out and others still being detained? He found out that Paul Whelan was not being freed at the same time when he was on the plane. You know, when they told me that I was leaving... I thought that Paul, you know, was leaving with me. And uh, when I found out that they left him here, that was tough. It was actually, in the interview, one of the most emotional moments. You didn't have a choice, Trevor. Sorry. You didn't have a choice. There's nothing you could do. Because he felt so bad uh, about Paul Whelan not coming home. Yeah, I realized that, but... uh, the fact is that the United States should have got him out, and we have to get him out at, at any cost. And I should note that he never met Paul Whelan. Oh. He never met him. And so it's really remarkable the sense of obligation he feels. And it's one of the reasons he did the interview um, with me, because he wanted to bring attention to uh, the Whelan family and Brittany Griner and the dozens of Americans all over the world who are being unjustly imprisoned by foreign governments. And look, I'm not talking about Americans who actually committed criminal acts in other countries and are you know, right. facing the consequences of their actions. We're talking about people who have been unfairly detained, unjustly detained, 
And one of the reasons they're speaking out is because Trevor Reed and his family uh, want to use their voices to speak on behalf of Paul Whelan and the others. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Jennifer Hansler, you cover the State Department for CNN, and we just talked to Jake Tapper about how Trevor Reed was pretty crestfallen to learn that Paul Whelan was not going to be coming home from Russia with him. So what do we know about the other Americans currently being held in Russia? Well, David, we know of um, two wrongfully detained Americans in Russia right now, Paul Whelan and Brittany Griner. Uh, Paul has been there for years. He was arrested in December of 2018 and charged with espionage. Uh, he was there attending a wedding, his family says, and the police came to his hotel room and arrested him. He is also a former Marine, just like Trevor Reed was, and he was sentenced to 16 years in prison in Russia because of these espionage charges. The U.S. Embassy there has said that this is a completely sham trial, that there is no merit to this whatsoever, and they have been uh, pushing for, for now years to try to get him home. Seen for the first time since her arrest, Brittany Griner is shown handcuffed with her head down as she learns her time in detention in Russia has been extended. Brittany Griner, the WNBA star, she was um, in Russia playing for a Russian basketball team. Griner is among several U.S. pro players who play in the Russian league during the WNBA offseason. She was arrested in February. And the Russians claimed that she had cannabis on her, and they claimed that she was trying to smuggle narcotics into the country. And um, they have held her in pretrial detention since then. I understand your parents spoke to Paul yesterday, um, and he found out that Trevor was speaking out for the first time. What, what was his reaction? I think he was excited that uh, Trevor was having that opportunity. Uh, and he so he saw Paul Whelan's sister and brother, Elizabeth and David, on with Jake Tapper the other day. Uh, they were able to get a message from their parents who spoke to Paul. They were able to speak semi-regularly to their son. Can you tell us what the message was? Or is sure, it- yeah. I brought it uh, with me. Um, Uh, He said, this is a disintegrating experience for mind, body, and soul. I need the White House to take decisive action to secure my release, top-level action, and there's no better time than the present. And he's, you know, over the years has pressed more and more for the administration to really make his release a priority after nearly uh, four years there. And 
I want to understand how the State Department kind of handles these cases, because I've heard the term, you know, wrongfully detained, and that kind of changes the conversation around uh, how the government deals with that. So can you explain how the State Department comes to a determination that somebody is wrongfully detained? Sure. So this actually um, is handled by this office called the Special Presidential Envoy for Hostage Affairs, or the SPIHA office. And they are guided by a law called the Robert Levinson Act, which was passed in recent years, named after another American who was wrongfully held abroad in Iran for years and years, and unfortunately is believed to have died in Iranian custody. And this law, it outlines all of these criteria for deciding whether an American is wrongfully detained. That could be the thought that they were arrested solely because they're Americans, the thought that maybe another government arrested them to try to use them as a bargaining chip to get something from the United States. So the State Department will look at the entirety of of a person's situation when they're arrested to come to a determination of whether they should go through with a legal process if there is the thought that maybe there was a reason that they were arrested, that they did, in fact, do something illegal versus in the case of wrongful detainees, they have met one of the criteria or more that there was no reason for them to be arrested. And then that goes to the SPIHA office, and they have a lot more leeway in terms of the moves they can try to make to get these folks home. And they don't have to wait for any legal process to play out to start doing that. They can start taking these efforts uh, before, for example, in Brittany Griner's case, she has not actually been sentenced to anything yet. And the State Department is now trying, you know, whatever they can to get her home before waiting for Russia to decide what she did or didn't do. So it's like they don't even have to wait for a trial that may be a shame trial in and of itself. Exactly. They can just go ahead and try to get them out before that. That's exactly right. And so like in Trevor Reed's case, we saw uh, a prisoner swap eventually. Um, mm-hmm. What kind of calculations go in into a prisoner swap? Because obviously, you know, some people have said, you know, the optics don't look good when mm-hmm. you're sending back a dangerous person, um, just let them walk free. So what, what what's the kind of calculations there? Yeah, it's uh, a very hard decision, we're told. It's one that the president has to consider a lot of factors when they're, they're making this choice because the U.S. doesn't see an equivalency between a wrongfully detained American and a prisoner, for example, a Russian prisoner who was in the U.S. and they said went through the U.S. legal process, was sentenced in the fair U.S. legal process, they say. So they don't see this as a a fair swap necessarily. But in some cases, this has been determined to be the only way that they can get certain folks home. And there's a big push right now from the families of Americans who are detained abroad all over the world to try to encourage the White House to look into prisoner swaps as a serious way of getting folks home. Families say that it, it is worth more for a loved one to be home than to have someone stay in the prison in the U.S. system. We are told that the White House was happy that there was a lot of bipartisan praise for the swap that they did for Trevor Reed because we heard from members of Congress on both sides of the Hill that were happy that the Biden administration made the choice to bring Trevor home by whatever means necessary. So there is the thought that maybe this could create an environment where the White House will continue to see prisoner swaps as a way to get folks on moving forward. Like, how does that play out, though, when we're talking about someone like Victor Boot? You know, he's the arms dealer people call the merchant of death. Mm -hmm. Is the White House really going to be willing to give up someone like that in a potential swap? 
Yeah. So as you said, we've heard this name mentioned pretty much any time an American is is detained abroad. Victor Booth's name comes out in the Russian media as someone that could be swapped. Um, We don't have a clear sense of, of whether he would actually be someone that the U.S. government is willing to swap because he has had such a, a strong sentence against him. He was sentenced to multiple years in prison in 2012. And so uh, th- it is a hard choice if the administration is willing to say, we, we will send this man back to Russia in exchange for folks. Mm. There is no policy right now that the U.S. government has in terms of this is when we will always do a prisoner swap, and this is when we will never do a prisoner swap. Hmm. There's a lot of gray area. And mm-hmm. so in terms of the war in Ukraine, this is just fascinating to me. You know, the government said that they didn't take the war into account when talking to the Russians about Trevor Reed. And I think that can be, you know, kind of hard to balance because the government has been so outspoken against Russia and all the sanctions that they slapped on them. So how does the U.S. balance those things when negotiating for a release? Well, this is the one issue where they say that they are still talking to the Russians, that the U.S. ambassador to Moscow, John Sullivan, is still having some conversations with officials in Moscow about these detained Americans. And they say this is an example where even in in countries where they have terrible relations, that they can still work on this. But there is no doubt that the war in Ukraine makes it harder because Russia is now an international pariah. And... Um, It it makes those conversations harder to have. They've already, before the war, had winnowed down the number of Americans who are serving at the U.S. Embassy in Russia, which also makes it harder to support Americans who are detained abroad if there are less people who can try to go check on them. Mm. Uh, Brittany Griner, the Russians didn't let the Americans see her for several weeks to go visit her in her pretrial detention. They were finally granted access last week, but it was after multiple denials of that, that visit. And, of course, we know it's not just Russia as well. There are Americans being detained in a bunch of other countries around the world. So mm-hmm. what is the scope of this problem right now? It is. It's a large problem. Uh, according to the Foley Foundation, which does a lot of work advocating on behalf of Americans who are held hostage and detained abroad, there are 59 known cases of hostages or wrongful detainees all over the world. And these are people who are held in Russia, but also in Iran, Afghanistan, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and Rwanda. So they are all over the world. This is an issue. How are these families obviously dealing with so much pain around these imprisonments that have lasted for years and years in some cases? How are they making their voices heard to the administration to say, hey, we need to stay on this. Even if we don't have relations with these countries, we've got to get these people home. What, What has the strategy been for these families to keep their stories in the news. Well, we've seen a really remarkable thing happen lately where the families have banded together to create this campaign called the Bring Our Families Home campaign. The big reason we're here is because we realize that our individual cases share more than the fact that we're wrongful detainees. We share a pattern of indecision from our administration to bring our family members home. And whereas before you would see these families working individually behind the scenes to raise awareness with members of Congress and with the administration about the need to bring their loved ones home. Earlier this month, we had a huge gathering of families who had their loved ones detained all over the world. They all gathered in front of the White House in Lafayette Park. Our fathers and our uncles are sick in prison. Our dad had a stroke. He's paralyzed. 
to try to get a meeting with President Biden because they saw after Trevor Reed's family had their meeting with Biden, uh, their son was able to come home. So they feel that having a meeting with the president could be a huge step towards getting their loved ones home. I have to say, I feel like I've met with President Biden and Secretary Blinken because I dream at night about being in meetings with them. But they also gathered together to show that even though their cases may be different, their family members may be in countries that are completely different, detained under very different circumstances, it's a huge issue. And it's an issue that is being perpetuated against Americans all over the world. And they want people to understand that this is a pattern of injustice that they say is being carried out against their loved ones, regardless of, of where they are. Jennifer Hansler, covering the State Department for us. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's all for us today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday. And remember, CNN is still on the ground in Ukraine covering the conflict up close. CNN Five Things can keep you up to date with the latest developments. Subscribe wherever you listen. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by me, David Rind, along with Audrey Horowitz, Paolo Ortiz, and Nathan Miller. Felicia Patinkin is the senior producer, and Megan Marcus is the executive producer. Special thanks to Elizabeth Roberts. I'll talk to you next time. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app.